Good morning, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving uh, this week. Okay, if uh, just uh, please the little uh, nephews and nieces and stuff, I've got some Thanksgiving jokes for you. Okay, you want some uh, Thanksgiving jokes that you can share at the Thanksgiving table? Okay, here's the, f- I got four of them for you. And uh, they get progressively better if you don't like the first one, okay? Uh, the first one is, what did the turkey say to the computer? Google, Google. <laughs> Every one of these is super cheesy, okay? Just prepare. This is for like your eight-year-old niece, all right? Uh, what happened to the uh, turkey when he got in a fight? He got the stuffing beat out of him. Why did the cranberries turn so red? Because they saw the turkey dressing. And then last one, why did the farmer have to separate the chicken and the turkey? He suspected foul play. Okay. There's your Thanksgiving. Now, if any of the, anyone says, get rid of these dumb Thanksgiving jokes. These are the worst jokes I've ever heard. You can tell them, I can't quit cold turkey. Right? <laughs> so anyway, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I know it's, it's, it's going to be a wonderful time. And today, as we uh, have the last in our sermon series on fight, Find Your Footing, it still has a Thanksgiving theme. In fact, uh, we're going to look at Isaiah 51, uh, but as we have been going through these chapters in Isaiah, it's with the, it's with the knowledge that uh, these last few years have been very difficult, that this has been a turbulent time. We're in a topsy-turvy world, and we've talked about how, and this not only past tense, but present tense, this is a time of anxiety and fear and stresses. And, uh, and just, we look at the world around us, and it's, and it's not easy. And we know that many have struggled relationally, especially just with the pressures in society around us. And maybe we've uh, struggled financially with inflation and what, the, and what the pandemic has done to our economy. Or, or maybe you even have uh, struggled in your faith, and, uh, and you feel more distant from the Lord or or from the church. This has been a topsy-turvy world, and how could, if this is our circumstances and this is the world that we live in, how could we find reason to give thanks during a time like this? If this is, if this is the society and uh, if this is the society we live in and, and, and where we are at individually, is there any reason to give thanks? Now, as we've been going through these chapters in Isaiah, we've pointed out that there are many parallels to what the Israelites were experiencing during this Old Testament time to what we've been experiencing here recently. And it's been amazing how the truths of God's Word have helped us to be able to to find our footing when we feel unstable. And uh, And when we come to Isaiah 51, we see that Isaiah challenges the people with thanksgiving. And it's not because of their circumstances, because they are under Assyrian captivity while this is being written. And yet Thanksgiving is one of the themes that comes out. What Isaiah is going to do here is he's going to challenge them to see their circumstances and see their lives with a different perspective. He's going to challenge them to see it differently. Uh, the, The title of today's message is, Look at what the Lord has done. 
with a heavy emphasis on looking. And I'm going to challenge us to look in a different way, look with spiritual eyes, uh, because that is what we see here in this passage. It takes intentionality, it takes seriousness, it takes a seriousness, and it takes uh, God's help to see things from a different perspective. Look is the theme that comes out here in this passage. I'm only going to read verses uh, 1 through 3. It's only three verses. The word look is used three times, but that's the prism from which we will understand this text. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 51. We're going to read verses 1 through uh, 3. It'll be on the screen, but if you want to open up your Bibles on your device or or in the pews or, or the one you brought, that would be even more helpful for you as you follow along here. Isaiah 51, 1 through 3 says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. And seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, who gave you birth. Only one man, and I blessed him and made him. Will surely comfort Zion. Look with passion on all ruins. I will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we uh, look at these verses, I pray that you would come and speak to us. And God, we recognize that this world is not an easy place. In fact, this has been a, a difficult uh, last few years, and it, and it can continue to be difficult. And yet, God, I pray that you would help us with eyes of faith, faith to see things differently today as, as, we, as we are taught by, by you in your scriptures. And so, God, we invite you now to come and be our teacher and press upon us the things that you would have for us. Open up our hearts to hear this with ears of faith and to see this with eyes of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, there are uh, is the theme of look. And in this passage, it tells us to look to two places. Physical locations. Two physical locations. And these two locations represent something. They're analogies. And so let's unpack this together. The first thing it says is it says look to, the, uh, look to a rock quarry. Look to a rock quarry. What in the world does that mean? Well, in verse 1 is where I get this. Look to the rock from which you are cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Here is a picture of a rock quarry. This is what a rock quarry looks like. There's thousands, tens of thousands of rocks here, right? And uh, now let's imagine you and I, we're going to go to this rock quarry, and we're picking out one rock. And uh, you've got some artistic ability. You know how to sculpt stone. And so we're picking out one rock that you're going to sculpt, and it's going to be the centerpiece on your Thanksgiving table. You're going to make it into a work of art, and it's going to be beautiful. And all your family that comes over to eat with you is going to say, wow, what a great uh, piece of work on, uh, on on the middle of your table, and it's going to be wonderful. Now, which rock are you going to pick? You're going to look through all these rocks, but you're not going to look at all of them. There's tens of thousands of rocks here. You're going to uh, try to use some discernment, but there's a little bit of randomness to the rock you pick. Maybe you're pick, looking for a rock a certain size or a certain color, or a certain density. But eventually you're going to say, that's the one. 
I choose that one. In a similar way, I think of all the people on the face of this earth. As of this week, there's 8 billion of us. And uh, God looks upon all the people that he has created now and throughout history, and, uh, and he looks at me and he says, I choose that one. And he looks at you, if you have placed your faith in, in him, and, and if you have placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are among the elect. Those that he says, I choose you. Now, why he chose me, I have no idea. It seems a little bit random, because I know it's not because I'm such a good person. I know it's definitely not for my own righteousness or my own good deeds. It's not for my personality or my talents. So you think, oh, I got to it's definitely not because I'm such a bubbly personality all the time. Ask my wife. Uh, it's not anything that I've done. It's sheer grace. It's the sovereign grace of God. And when we look at the rock quarry, all we can simply say is thank you that you chose me. Now, the reason I'm confident in that that is what that verse means, is because of what comes next. In fact, I'll admit, when I first read this verse about the rock quarry, I thought, what in the heck is he talking about? But the next verse has a parallel to it. And I know exactly what he's talking about here. He starts off in the same way. Look, in verse uh, 2, it says, Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man. In other words, there's nothing special about Abraham. Just one person on the face of the earth. He was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. The made him many is a, re is a reference to the promise that God gave to Abraham and to Sarah. Uh, God said that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. But it wasn't because Abraham and Sarah were not cho chosen to make a great nation from because they had the greatest childbearing potential. In fact, when Abraham was given this promise, he was 75 years old, and Sarah was only a few years behind him. In fact, when Sarah first heard the promise, she laughed out loud. From me, a great nation, not a chance in the world. And then they did not have their first son, Isaac, for another 25 years until Abraham was 100 years old. It wasn't for their great baby-making potential, and it wasn't because of their uh, greatness, great personality or anything like that, and it also wasn't because of their own righteousness. In fact, one of the most important verses in all the Bible, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. His righteousness was given to God, was credited to him, not because of anything that he had done. And the same thing would be true for all of us. We stand before God humble. We have nothing to offer. Why God chose us, I have no idea. It wasn't for our own righteousness, but we receive his gift of, of salvation by faith. And so the natural reaction to that is gratitude, to say, thank you, God, that you have chosen me. And God has chosen us. And God chooses us not because he are, we are special, but he chooses, us, he chooses us and he makes us special. Again, the rock quarry theme. When that rock is picked out, it is carved into a wonderful work of art. And that's what God does in our lives. 
When God comes into our lives, he changes us from the inside out so that we become beautiful for him. We're like a work of art. That's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Over the last month or so, one of the running themes in my life is I've had so many people tell me this has been one of the most difficult uh, times in their life, but they, but they have said, I've never felt closer to the Lord. I've heard this from like a half a dozen people in our church. In fact, one guy came and talked to me this, this week in my office, and he says, you know, this has been such a difficult period, but I, but I feel like I've grown in my faith more now than I ever have. In fact, I pray like every five minutes, he said. And that is the sanctifying, wonderful gift of God. Find your footing does not mean that all our circumstances are always perfect. But what it does mean is that God is working out all things together for our good. And sometimes we don't understand that, but we trust in the Lord that he has chosen us and that he will see us through. He will, he will work in our hearts. We're the rock in the rock quarry that he has chosen and he's molding and he's sanctifying. So the first thing is we are to look to a rock quarry. The second is, the second location is we are to look at a garden. That's the theme here. That's the uh, verse 3. The Lord says, uh, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. When Isaiah uh, writes these words to the Israelites, as we have said, they are like in a wasteland. They're under Assyrian captivity. They, they feel like they're in a desert. But God says, I'm going to turn your wastelands into a garden, like the Garden of Eden. Have you ever thought about what the Garden of Eden is like? It's, the, it's what we read about in the first couple chapters of the Bible. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the Garden of Eden. And it must have been such a wonderful place. They have the fruit trees and everything is lush. There's no danger of the wolf because uh, death hasn't entered into the world yet. They don't, no predators. There's no aches and pains. There's no funerals to attend. There's no troubles or worry. They have everything that they could want. It's a, it's a beautiful Garden of Eden. And the best thing about the Garden of Eden is that they have full fellowship with their Creator. The Garden of Eden is described, Adam and Eve are said to take walks in the cool of the day with God, their Father. And then when sin enters into the world, that perfect relationship with God is damaged. It's not destroyed forever, but it is damaged. And all the blessings, all the, all the, uh, the fruitfulness and the wonderfulness of the Garden of Eden, they're expelled from the garden and they enter into the desert into the wasteland is and sometimes it feels like it is a wasteland it is a desert but the truth of this passage is still true for us that god still has the ability to turn deserts and wastelands into gardens when we re receive jesus into our life it's like a garden is birthed in our hearts the first and foremost, the most important thing about that garden is when we 
when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. Just like I said, the, ble- the greatest blessing of the Garden of Eden was with the fellowship they had with their Creator. We are re- our fellowship with God is restored when we receive Christ. And then all of these things, all the wasteland uh, things of this world, are, begin to get healed. And relationships can be restored. And marriages can be fixed. And wounds can be healed. And worries and conflicts can be uh, dealt with. And God can forgive sins and he can bring righteousness and salvation to any heart. You might feel like you've got problems as high as the ceiling. Well, in God, he can bring them low and he can create a straight path. That's the garden that God can open up into our, in our lives. But there is a future aspect to that, without a doubt. We get this, but we look forward to a day in which it'll be taken care of once and for all, uh, the day in which Jesus comes back to this earth. In fact, I referenced a moment ago the first chapter of the Bible. Now I want to go to the very last chapter of the Bible. In Revelation 22, it describes the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus is coming to bring, and it's described like the Garden of Eden. Revelation 22 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of, of life as clear as crystal. In other words, it's pure again, flowing, like, uh, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Again, a reference to the Garden of Eden. The tree of life is there, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That's what we've been talking about every week for the last few months in this Find Your Footing series, the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The curse that is placed upon Adam and Eve when they are expelled from the garden will not be there. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. No barrier stands between his followers, his servants, and God Almighty. They will see his face. The the barrier that was set up because of sin will be washed away, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. You won't even need the sun. The glory of the Lord will shine so bright. And so this is what we look forward to. When we look to the garden, we have reason to, be, uh, to give thanks because we recognize that, yeah, this time is difficult, but we look forward to, some, uh, to a time in which all of that will be made perfect. And we will experience perfect fellowship with the Lord. Now, on Thursday, you'll sit down to a Thanksgiving table. And, uh, and you'll be sitting there, and uh, you won't even have any food before you, but you're, you're already satisfied because you know you're going to eat good on this day. And uh, you're satisfied. You haven't even eaten yet, and yet you're satisfied because you smell what's coming. There's a turkey in the oven. You see the pumpkin pie on the, on the counter, and Aunt Louise, she makes the best mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and all the fixings. fixings. So you know it's good. Today you are going to be satisfied with some good food. 
And we as Christians, we might be sitting here and we haven't even tasted all the goodness that's coming, but we can smell it and we can get a feel that it's coming. And for that, we are already satisfied. We can go through the most difficult of times because we know where, where we're going. We're going to a garden and it's going to be lush and we're going to have everything that we could ever want. So we're sitting at that, uh, that Thanksgiving table and here's what I want you to know. There's, there's more good news here. It's not just that you smell the turkey in the oven. The, the reality is God is also a God of appetizers. You see, he gives us a little bit to taste before the full meal comes out. That's where we're at right now. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us, we already get a foretaste of being in the glory of God for all eternity. We get to experience his presence, and the garden that's given birth in our heart has fruit as well. The fruit of the Spirit is described as love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that's already born in our hearts. And so we get a foretaste of it now. We get to experience a little bit of that uh, now. That's what verse 3 is talking about here in this passage. It says, Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of, think, of singing. Now in verse 3, it's in present tense, right? Because the joy and the gladness and the thanksgiving is future for the Israelites when they are delivered. But for us, it's both future and present. Because the deliverance has already come our way. Jesus has already died on the cross and rose from the dead. He's washed our sins away and filled us with the Holy Spirit. There's a future aspect. I'm not denying that. It's going to be way better than what we experience right now. But there is a present aspect as well. And so we have a lot to be thankful for. If we see things from spiritual eyes, right? We might, these times might be difficult, but we have... A lot to be thankful for. The challenge for us today is in this topsy-turvy uh, world, when we feel stress and anxiety, fear and sadness and disappointment, to see yourself with the eyes of faith in a rock quarry and a garden. And in the rock quarry, we see that God chose you and he loves you even though you don't deserve it. And we see that he's changing us and sculpting us and forming us into being the person that he wants us to be, a person that's filled with joy and gladness. And in the garden, we have God's presence, the promise of his presence fully in the future, but we also have his presence right now, presence of his Holy Spirit. And so we're able to get in the rock quarry and in the garden, we're able to give thanks, not for our circumstances, though we do give thanks when God brings those kind of blessings, but we give thanks primarily for who we are in Christ and, the per and what God has done for us in Jesus. And this is what godly people do. They see things from this kind of perspective. In fact, I know that to, uh, to, to be the case, some of the most godly people I have known are all also the most grateful people that I have known. Have you ever noticed that? People that you think are really, really godly people, they are really, really thankful and grateful. 
In fact, I'll give you this as a principle. The most godly are the most grateful. The most godly are the most grateful. I, I've seen that in life. I see that also in this text. Look at the be- well, Let's jump all the way to the beginning. The beginning part of verse 1 tells us who this passage is for. It says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. If you want to pursue righteousness and seek the Lord, one of the ways that you do that is by looking for reasons to be grateful. The most godly are always the most grateful. So if you want to grow in your godliness, if you want to do what this passage says, pursue righteousness and seek the Lord, one of the things that you can do is cultivate gratitude in your heart. You can work this week and, and, uh, and here on out to become a more thankful person. In fact, it's one of the most fun things you can do to grow in your faith. You're really quick at saying thank you to others and thank you to God. So now that's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to do that. We got three people that have volunteered to give testimonies of what they are thankful for this week, and, uh, or I mean this year. And um, these uh, individuals are going to come and give testimony. And then I'm going to open it up. And uh, so you can be thinking right now, what is the one thing I want to say thank you to, to God this year? And we'll just have little one-sentence popcorn praises, and uh, you'll shout them out, and I'll repeat them, and it'll be a great time of Thanksgiving. So first of all, our three testimonies, Lucas Yasamura, uh, Nelson Perez, and Sue Chin. Let's welcome Lucas, Nelson, and Sue. You want to go first, Lucas? Here, Nelson, you can take a seat here. Hello? Oh. Uh, my name is Lucas Esamura, and I'm thankful for my family because they've always provided for me. Um, they've always been there for me, and, yeah, they've always been uh, really supportive of me. And also because um, they're always down to have fun. They always like to play, like, games, whatever, like, switch games, board games, whatever. So thankful that they always make time for uh, quality time with everybody, and they also I'm also thankful that they show me how to uh, live a more godly life, and they uh, lead by example. So yeah. testimony of what I've gone through in life and how I've been changed by God and being with all of you. <laughs> I'm going to show you, share this. There we go. My story, a life testament. I'll show you that I'm going to show you this, say this. As I was growing up in Los Angeles, I attended a Catholic church and, my, um, and tried my best as a, little, as a little boy to understand the faith because I wanted to be a, a good son to my mother. So I attended my confirmation classes and did my communion. Growing up in, in a project housing was tough. 
So I had a lot of bad influences around me that kept less in being a better person and, and God. And I seen, I seen so many bad, I seen so many bad influences daily. But I, I finally let, let the scene, let the city, left the city, left the city housing project and moved to, to suburbs. As a teen at, at age 12, I was so excited to live a normal life in Covina. My family and mother didn't pay too much attention to faith in God, and I always felt lost. But then my, my life changed so much, my family asked me, they asked me these things, like, do you remember what happened to you? I, uh, to you, I was 12, I didn't know what they saw, but they saw I was seizing, having seizures. And, and I didn't remember anything at my age. I was scared, not knowing what, what's going on that I can't understand. So my mother took me to a neurologist and did tests on me and found out I was suffering from epilepsy. That when my life changed, epilepsy, that's when my life changed. I was so lost, didn't know what to think because treatment for epilepsy in the 70s, early 70s was not as good as it is in the 80s. That, that, that's when the world started to open up a, a little better and I accepted my disability. As for doctors, I finally have insurance from work at Kaiser in Hollywood where I had my, my different doctors, but I believe God put the last doctor in my life for a reason, so to have a better life. So time went on, on, and I had to visit other doctors because I was going through so many changes. I visit psychiatrists because I was going through so many depression and everything, uh, so much depression and anxiety and everything I ever and everything and everyone didn't care for me anymore. I had anxiety, worry all the time and fear that I would suffer from seizures every minute of my life. At age 40, I was, I was, a nine, I was on nine pills a day and my, my, my body was addicted. So most of the time of my life, I, had, I stayed home because I didn't have a social life. I was always afraid something wrong would happen. And, and years passed, and nothing was changing in my life. Till I asked for a new doctor. His name was Dr. Enos. He was a different doctor. He always showed a lot of passion about my situation. He always wanted to improve my life situation. Every time I, uh, uh, every time he had passion about my situation. He always wanted to improve my situation. Every time I visit him, I always see a glow of concern. He was a great doctor. He never let me leave without being inspired about myself, my life. I was so I was so many. I was on so many different medications, but he finally found the one that worked the best for the seizures that I had. Time went on, 
I was feeling a little better, uh, better, better, a little bit better before my life so, about myself. So I attended college and worked 40 weeks, 40 work, work shifts because I was finally on my own. I was interested in becoming a radiologist and I, I was so fascinated about radiology. As I tried to accomplish my goals, things in life just got in the way and I couldn't keep up my grade well and I, str and I and stressed and trying, I dropped. I just dropped out and just concentrated on life. I always thought no one wanted to help me because epilepsy makes you have so much depression. It, it, it takes you over your, real over your real thinking. Time went on. on, on Time went on and the, the technology was getting better. My doctor told me that surgery was my best hope to normalize life. I, I had tonic-clonic seizures, grandma epilepsy, and I was just about to start in my 50s. Because I didn't have a relationship to inspire me, I didn't continue with the test and gave up a year and gave up. As a year passed, I believe that God was seeing me and led me to a certain woman in my life. Her name was Laura. At this time, my life was changed, and she consistently kept getting in touch, came into, uh, to the door, to my door, and was hoping to start a friendship, and we did. As time went forward, she gave me so much support in having a surgery because she told me she had epilepsy. When she was younger, she understood and knew what I was going on in me. She gave me hope because she was also a believer in Christianity. I started to feel differently about God, was giving more wisdom in my life than I, I ever had. As time went on before I had surgery, many new people came into my life. I was invited to a Men's Brotherhood Christian meeting as a lot of guys together spoke, spoke about themselves and what they were going through and how God changed them. These guys led me to a, outlook, a new outlook about being a man of God, hearing their stories about life as men and a deeper feeling that, as lucky, uh, that I am lucky to be with men of honor and God. As the weeks went before my surgery, my sister Vanessa, gave me a letter that was so heartwarming. She always been an understanding sister and gave me so much empathy in my life as she always made life so meaningful reading what she wrote me, that she was so happy that, that my life was changing and wanted to see it in, in me and not to give up on myself. As time went on, faith was coming to my heart to my heart, the, the spirit that, that I'm going to, to my heart. The deepness of God was that I listened to the spirit that I'm going to give you, you a better life. The, the word of God always is good news. My best friend, Mike, always gave me confidence in being a child of God. He always shared life's purposes with reading scriptures as a best friend 
to me that always had a meaningful thought about myself. They gave me a sense that I was strong and worthy in God's plans for a better life to come. Soon, this coming soon, the surgery was success and a year had passed. My disability was diminishing, body was changing, my, my body was cha changing as the doctors had lowered my medication. I had only two tablets day, a day instead of nine. I started to lose weight. My sensitivity to odor, odor was getting stronger. Everything I smelled was making me nauseous because my body was normalizing, adjusting adjusting my metabolism was getting stronger and I was always more hungrier and gaining and not gaining weight. I started to realize that I was getting more confident in myself, life in general. God was giving me a true meaning on, on my thinking about myself and what he has done for me and the people he put in my life to help me. But, but who am I today? Uh, but help me be who I am today, uh, a believer in God. As five years pass, my, 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 uh, my new life, I, I, I am who God intended me to be, a Christian man. One day I had, one, one day, one, on a day I had another appointment, the Dr. Enos had asked me, do you, uh, I had no no pardon with with doctor I had a, an appointment with Dr. Enos I had to ask him do you believe in God he 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 gave me an amazing answer he said yes and told me why do you do you think I wanted to, you to have the surgery for so many years always I always believe you were able to get through it well and, and did and and you did, so, and, and you did, and him, why am I serving, pardon me, it, well, and, and did, why, why, why am I here serving God, like you, and, and like you, and then I, him, God later, so that week I, I, I'm going through the Bible, pardon me, I'm reading so fast. People like, he says, pardon me, I'm here serving people like you and, he, and him, God. Later on that week, I was going through the Bible and amazed as looking up epilepsy, I found in Matthew 17, 14 through 18, it speaks about Jesus healing the little boy with seizures and Jesus held him and believe all things are possible in Christianity. This is why I believe in God. He gave me a new life and, and strongly believe in God. He is so awesome and living and, and I'm living a better life because of him and his wisdom. Believe in God always because he is amazing. You'll love you'll love yourself every day. He gives you a better beginning. Be well. God is good and all the time. Love life and love God. Amen. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Oh, thank you. 
Uh, today I'm going to share the most uh, recent event that uh, I have experienced this year and proclaim the victory belongs to Jesus alone. Uh, my parents passed down a piece of property to three children. My name was on the deed. Therefore, it became a major financial burden and a liability after I retired in year 2018. And three of us have met several times since year 2019 and tried unsuccessfully to come to an agreement because one of us doubted I will keep the profit to myself. The Lord has been so faithful and merciful. Finally, the property was put for sale with the help of legal advice. Due to my ignorance of the state and city law, besides I never resided at the, at the property, the transaction became very bumpy and challenging. Plus the reluctant attitude of my representative, the situation became more complicated than I expected. I was stressed by the stagnant progress, especially when the deadlines were approaching. Every day, I poured out my soul and asked the Lord for his wisdom, mercy, and courage to deal with day-to-day -day predicament. The more I was pushed to the corner, the stronger God given determined to become proactive and get involved in every step of the transaction. God Almighty made this impossible possible. I was an introverted person, but now I acted like crazy. I Googled and gathered the info, contacted the persons involved, got rights to the city hall many times, and looked for a licensed contractor who was found at the last minute to install the gas shut-off valve, which was required by the law. Believe it or not, it's a major work which involved digging the trench in the front yard and sidewalk. Of course, I almost threw a temper tantrum to my representative, but praise God, yet I was mindful of the Holy Spirit over and over that the goal is to keep the peace, to get the property sold, and distribute the fair share to honor my parents' wish. Uh, no doubt about it, it's a bonus to learn a lot during the whole course of the transaction. But first and foremost was the ultimate goal reached in how my Lord used the circumstances to reveal my old sinful nature, to put on more of his divine characters, such as patience, kindness, perseverance, and self-control, and then mold me one step, one baby step closer to be Christ-like. At the end, I would like to quote the promise of his powerful word to encourage one another. In Romans 8:28, and we know that all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Finally, I would also like to thank all the prayer warriors who stood by me during the difficult time. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. <laughs> thank you. Okay. 
back. Yes. <laughs> so, so to put it succinctly, Eric is giving God thanks for all the food that feeds the world's population. So thanks, thank you to the Lord for that. I'll do one more. We'll do one more. Anyone else have they, something? Okay, I got a finger pointing to someone, but I don't see a hand. Oh, oh, Susan? Okay. Oh, Susan, from, uh, she's up in the AV booth. She's up in the sound booth. Susan, yes. Okay, sorry. You got my attention now. Go for it. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so Susan said thank you to the church and for our prayers and for the missionaries that are serving the Lord. So thank God for that. You know, if I was to say what I am thankful for, um, I have a lot to be thankful for. And I am thankful for the Lord and his presence, obviously. And I'm thankful for my family, and I'm thankful for my church family. And I say that with all sincerity. I love you all so much, and uh, it is such a blessing to be able to walk with the Lord and support the Lord with one another. And we talk about the Holy Spirit, and oftentimes the Spirit works through our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I am so thankful for that. I'm going to invite the prayer counselors to come forward now this morning. If you want to come and receive prayer, uh, this is an opportunity for you to uh, come and to pray with one of them. Let me, let me pause and give God thanks uh, for all the ways that he has blessed us. Father God, we pause and we recognize, as your scriptures teach us, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you for the testimonies that we have heard this morning and how you have healed people and how you have provided for people and, and how you have worked all things together for our good. And right now we just pause and we say thank you that you continue to work in our lives and in our hearts we thank you for the salvation that we have through your son, Jesus. We thank you for our church family and how we can love one another. And I pray that as we continue to try to serve you and to put you first in our lives, that you would continue to give us strength and comfort and peace and love, that we could be your servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.